Blog Talk Radio. Hello, and welcome to Small Business Digest Radio. My name is Don Mazzella, and I am your host for a program devoted to identifying strategies and suggestions to help small business managers increase profits, add sales, better manage cash flow, improve employee management, and streamline operations. Our guests are other entrepreneurs and experts offering their solutions to the problems and opportunities facing small business leaders. Our aim in each program is to provide one or two thought-provoking ideas or suggestions. So follow us on Twitter at hashtag 2SBDigest or at our website at www.smallbusinessdigest.net. We have a very interesting program tonight. Uh, I'm really particularly pleased to have J.P. Whirlin uh, here tonight to start off our program. He's CEO of Pipeline Deals Talks, Um, Pipeline Deals, and he's here to talk about the seven best practices for small business. And by the way, uh, he's also contributed an article that you can find on 2sbdigest.com and in smallbusinessdigestmag.com. And it's it's a very telling article, and he's going to talk about it and expand a little bit. JP, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. Well, you know, we ask our guests first to tell us a little bit about themselves personally before we get into anything else. Tell us about yourself. Sure. My name is JP Whirlin, a serial entrepreneur here in Seattle. I love small businesses. We built a business for small businesses. Uh, been growing and bootstrapping this particular one for the last nine years. We'll have our 10th anniversary in May. Uh, we grew the business organically. Um, we'll get more into that. Personally, uh, family man, love the outdoors, uh, love technology, love all things new. Uh, my personal mantra is to leave this place better than I found it. And that's what I endeavor to do through my personal, family, and business life. I live on Bainbridge Island outside of Seattle. I have a ferry commute every day. I have a dog named Jones. And like I said, passionate about um, all things technology, all things business, and all things soccer. I've been the last eight or nine years really getting into soccer. So that's been a fun fun, uh, community to be involved with uh, around the nation and here locally. Uh, you got involved because of your children, or or you yourself uh, play it? No, I definitely can't play. I go out and we have here on the island what's called bozo ball for uh, bozos running around um, every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. But uh, I got into it via my kids. Yeah, I initially we didn't have cable television. That's kind of odd for a technologist. And um, I they started playing soccer, and I thought you know what, they're not that good. And I said, well, how do kids learn these days? And as we all know, a lot of the learning and other things, uh, recreation too, goes on through screens. And so we we bought cable TV and started watching the English Premier League here in in, uh, America about five years ago. And uh, the kids didn't care much for it. They're still playing soccer. They're playing better. But I got sucked into following Liverpool and, and the EPL and the uh, large
larger competitions like the World Cup, and it's been a ton of fun. Well, I'm a Crystal Palace man myself. Well, uh, we'll have to talk about that. A <laughs> <laughs> um, long story, but I ended up being on a train with the Crystal Palace uh, fans when they were going from uh, London to Manchester one one time and got, got so enthralled with how uh, involved those fans are. They make American f- fanatics look like uh, dilettantes. And, yes, uh, I agree following, wholeheartedly. It, it's amazing. I mean, uh, truly amazing. But uh, they're such a great p- bunch of people. I've, uh, now, almost uh, 30 years later, still communicating with a couple. But uh, oh, I, I love. Wow. Uh, they've grown old with me. What can I say? Yeah. But so you're still a <laughs> soccer fan? Well. Uh, I, as much as I follow any sports nowadays, as you get older, you either become more fanatical or less interested. But um, uh, if I truth be known, I think football would be number one and soccer number two. But uh, uh, I just love the English Premier League and try to get over to see at least one game a season. Uh, it's, yeah, it's a very. I haven't been over yet. Do you go see a Crystal Palace match, or what do you go over for? Oh, absolutely. Uh, they haven't been very good lately, but um, that that it's it, it's the excitement of the crowd. It, you know, even in the worst times, they are still fanatical about it, and they can tell you the most minute detail uh, about the club, about the people, about uh, the players. It's it's a uh, it's a different world, as you all know. It really is. Yeah, I've enjoyed getting acquainted with it. It's a uh, very, uh, like you said, a very passionate crew, and I, I love any. That's been a common thread throughout my life. Is I, I'm attracted to people who have passion and are passionate about topics, whether it's business or entrepreneurship or soccer. And I think um, I just like to be around people with that level of intensity and commitment. It's a, uh, it makes things more fun. Very much, very much so. But, but we're here to talk about small business and the seven best <laughs> practices for small business. So now, as I often say, the floor is yours. Go right ahead. Sure. Happy to uh, go anywhere with the conversation. For us, um, like I mentioned at the outset, aside from me personally, uh, CEO of Pipeline Deals, you can find us at PipelineDeals.com. And what we've built is a a sales engagement platform to help small and medium-sized businesses grow their businesses. And um, over the years, we've helped thousands of companies in about 100 countries around the world um, grow their businesses. And predominantly, that historically has been through their sales efforts, right? So from the time a lead comes into your sales pipeline through to the time the deal's closed, we've managed that system very, very well. Larger companies with bigger, deeper pockets and more complicated scenarios might use a product like Salesforce.com or Microsoft Dynamics. Uh, when we started Pipeline Deals in 2006, there really was not a solution for the small to medium-sized business. And I define that as, as the 6 million businesses in America um, doing you know, less than $50 million annually. So our average sales team customer has a sales team of five individuals. And that's who we've geared the product for. And we've built this business organically, so I have a lot of bootstrapping stories, and we have a lot of rules around that we enforced on ourselves that got us to where we are now 10 10 years later, defying the odds and sort of 
still still around. Truth be told, we did take a small round, a Series A, from a group of local angels and, and wonderful business people here in Seattle at the end of last year and um, are deploying that capital um, now. So that's pipeline deals in a nutshell. I'm happy to talk about the seven best practices we shared on your website uh, and go from there, um, unless there's another topic you wanted to go deeper on. No, I I billboarded the seven best uh, practices for small businesses. And having read the article, I, I know you have a lot of good things to say. So uh, well, fire thanks. away, Greeley. <laughs> Will do. So I think fundamentally, right, um, this is all sort of couched around the sentiment that people do business with people they like, right? There's a lot of choices on the market, whether um, you are uh, selling uh, painting services or running a small ad agency or PR agency. And fundamentally, I've found over the years that people win, do business with people they like. And with that starts from a foundation of trust. And so, as you can see in the article, you know, we talk about helping, not selling, right? And so, we really have look at ourselves as the, the folks in the software industry who are our predominant disposition is to be helpers, to be advisors, to be consultants. Uh, we find a lot of small, medium-sized businesses don't know what their sales process is. Well, guess what? We've done this thousands of times. We can help, right? So... What does that mean fundamentally? You know, what are your deal stages? How do you sell? What is your sales pipeline? Uh, we find a lot of our customers come to us through spreadsheets. They've sort sort of outgrown running their business development or sales efforts on a spreadsheet. Uh, in the old days, that would be a single Excel spreadsheet passed around, and there was, you know, what version are you on? Is that the latest one? No, oh, I updated this other version. Now today with uh, Google Docs and cloud software and Office 365, that problem sort of goes away. But what happens is as a company gets traction and gets successful, they outgrow running sales on their spreadsheets. And so what Pipeline Deals does is a natural next step in not sophistication, but sort of um, a common way in which to manage your sales process around deals, companies, and people. And that's what we, we do is when we help folks, we help them think about their deal stages, their custom fields, uh, what they want to track, how they want to report, how do you want to run your weekly sales meetings or monthly sales meetings. And that's our first tenant in the, the way we found to, to grow our business is to help folks don't, don't go out to sell them. To sell them. Um, this, the second piece is um, really focusing on working smarter, not harder. I hang out with a group of entrepreneurs here uh, as part of the entrepreneurs organization here in Seattle, the Seattle chapter. And one of the, the favorite mantras of the group, and it stems from that book, um, The E-Myth, um, Michael, I forget his name. I can look it up for you and pass it along via Twitter. But uh, The E-Myth talks about working on your business and not in your business. And a lot of entrepreneurs and SMB folks today fall into that working uh, in your business trap, right? And so with working on your business, you 
should you know I've taken it to the point where I you know you, you wake up every day and you go okay let's make sure I don't get sucked into the business today and I'm working on it and so that is um, sort of that mantra around working hard smarter not harder um, and that's worked really well for us over the years. Please explain to me what you mean by on and in. Sure. So um, I'm going to look up who wrote the emails because I feel Michael bad Porter, for referencing. I think it is. Yeah, Michael Porter. Uh, let me take a look. I'll, I'll reference back to it. Uh, Michael Gerber. Michael Gerber spoke at one of these EO events a few years ago here in Seattle, and he basically uh, walked into the room and called us all a bunch of idiots. Um, and that was a very bold statement to walk into a room with, I don't know, 150, 200 entrepreneurs and call them to the carpet. And his premise was, look, if you're a baker, if you're – mixing the ingredients every day at your bakery and you're filling the cupcake tins and you know putting the icing on the cake or on the finished cupcake and delivering that product to the customer that's working in your business right working on your business would be how can we make more cupcakes faster how can we fit more into an oven how can i deliver more cupcakes not actually do the delivery how can I set up a process that delivers more cupcakes to more weddings each weekend, right? So a good friend of mine uh, runs uh, a local caterer, and we were talking the other day. She's also a Pipeline Deals customer and said, you know, we can do about five weddings. She caters food for weddings. She goes, we can do about five weddings a Saturday. And, you know, the natural question is, well, could, do you want to go bigger? And if so, what would that look like and, and what would that manifest itself as sort of the – the next conversation, but that would take her to not be at all five weddings that Saturday delivering her product, right? It would be thinking about process, people, and sometimes technology that would enable her to, to grow her business um, in, a, in a profitable way. So that's what I mean by working on your business versus in your business. I stole that analogy from Michael Gerber. That's a great explanation. Keep going. You got two. We we got five more to do. Sure, we'll do. Um, so focus on what's in it for them. Um, this goes back to um, stop selling products and start selling outcomes, right? So people don't buy um, don't buy products. They buy solutions, right? And if you're buying a product in a business-to-business environment, which is where we sell and a lot of people do sell, and even business-to-consumer, people are buying to solve a problem. Now, business-to-consumer, those problems might be more emotionally based um, to fill a need, right? But in a business-to-business environment, you're selling to someone looking not for your product, but they're looking for a solution to a problem. And so if you focus on the idea that you're selling of what that solution is, uh, that will help you stay on message in identifying what's in it for the potential customer, the prospect. And that's what we find to help out um, a ton when we are having those initial conversations around um, their needs, right? And first, you know, seek first to understand, then to be understood is just one of the core mantras in our sales team is, you know, how do you listen 
on average, we I try to put a number on it, but obviously, honestly, it's a qualitative discussion. But quantitatively, can you listen to the customer? It's hard for some salespeople to do, but can you listen to the customer at least two-thirds of the time and learn what's in it for them? Um, that is what we focus on at Pipeline Deals uh, as sort of rule number three. You ready Keep for going. number four? All right. Could uh, I just uh, number four. could I just interject here? I'd I, love it. I knew many years ago. I knew a man named Rock, Rocky Piro, and he was he sold seeds. Uh, he, uh, he sold seeds to people who wanted uh, as a promotional item. And the first thing he told me was, "Listen to the customer." And when you mentioned that, I, he popped into mind. He's a very. It, it takes a, lot, a, a really great salesman to sell seeds to in a promotional yep. item, but he was. And I just want to reinforce it. That's so accurately true. Yeah, and I think it gets lost today, especially with there's so much ways to talk at people, right? With Twitter, um, even Instagram, Pinterest, um, you're you're pushing content out, right? And it's a very externally focused, outbound sort of mentality. And sometimes it's worth it to stop, call a timeout, and um, really listen to what the other person has to say. Because, you know, I find uh, myself even, you know, I'm I'm always trying to improve myself and, and be a better person uh, and be a better business person, be a better husband, be a better father. And, you know, I don't know where I picked it up. I think it was from a movie, but it's it's the old adage, like, are you truly listening or are you waiting to talk? <laughs> right? And with salespeople, that is just not really in their DNA. Is they, They're waiting to talk, you know. And we, we really work with our sales folks internally to get them to the, the listening stage. So um, it's, an, it's a, a topic I don't think gets enough credit uh, today in today's environment. I think it, it warrants some more conversation and some more discussion for sure. Um, so let's go on to the so, next one. Yeah, next one is showing up early. Um, what we're talking about here is having your business available and reachable um, early in a decision-making process. Um, Avinash Kaushik, uh, formerly, I think he's still at Google. Um, I saw him a few years ago, but also ran an agency down in Santa Cruz, California. Um, and he walked uh, the group through a framework at a, a Google conference around see, think, do, and nurture. Um, and so showing up early, make sure that you are in the consideration set when people are ready to do something, which is sort of that third tier right, abo right above nurture. And do is make a purchase, make a buy decision. Um, but there's two steps in front of do. There's think at number two and see at number one. And if you're there in the discussion early during when making that initial see, S-E-E, -E, uh, impression, when the person may not be in uh, – the decision-making funnel, you know, way down the decision-making funnel. They're just in the industry, right? So in our case, for pipeline deals, they're in sales, right? That would be an example of someone who's in the C uh, 
sort of strata of making a, ultimately a buy decision. Now that person engages, they have a problem. Oftentimes for us, it's a CEO who is lost or doesn't have um, good optics on their sales pipeline. They're now in the thinking strata or step two of Avinash's uh, sort of framework here that we use internally. And when they're in the thinking, that's when they're starting to do research, right? That's when they're starting to maybe do some comparisons, maybe shoot some emails around, maybe signing up for a demo or trying your product or services. And they get into that think mode and they're thinking about, uh, they're a salesperson, but now they're thinking about their problem and what solution they might be looking for to answer that problem. And then the third part is do, right? And I, that's where I started. And do is now you're ready. If, if you showed up early and you were there during the sink, the C, uh, sorry, the C uh, time frame, and now you're, you're also active in the think, when they're ready to do, odds are more in your favor. It's not a done deal. It's not a, a, a one deal, as you might say. But they're ready to make a purchase decision, and you're going to most likely have a, a shot at being the chosen one and winning the deal. And so by showing up early in the consideration set, you increase your chances of a successful conversion. And, you know, the last piece, which I won't spend a lot of time on, is the nurture piece. And that's sort of, in our business, and I think in more and more businesses today, we have to resell ourselves and re-win our business. At Pipeline Deals, 80% of our business is monthlies. And what that means is these people, uh, our customers, our accounts, can decide whether or not to use us next month. It keeps us on a real short leash. We, we don't do the old software way of doing business of multi-year contracts with huge upfronts and maintenance fees, and you're just... They have, they have their hooks so deep into you, you're, you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. And we've built our business to deliver value, number one, and number two is to win your business monthly. And if we're not providing value to a, your organization, fire us. I'm fine with that. That's, that's, that's the game. That's the, the thing we, we uh, signed up to with our business model. And so it's super important for us to show up early and, you know, this, these are all related. I'll go back through them all to recap, but showing up early and being, just, being part of that. Yeah. Let me just interrupt you one minute and let, let our guest know that, that she is on the board and I do know that she's there. Uh, so keep going. Sure. Um, live by the three Ps. Uh, preparation, practice, and planning. Uh, this really, for me, is about getting a system in place, right? Um, you know, uh, a major soccer outfit might have a system that they enforce on their whole club, right? A system of play, a way of play that the team, teams at all levels play with. What you find in sales teams is there's not a system. There's not a common lexicon. There's not a common way of working a deal. Yes, all deals are different, but a little bit of rigor and a little bit of process and a little bit of discipline goes a long way in making your business scalable um, and sustainable over the long term. So we find the three Ps, preparation, practice, and planning, are super important. Um, second to last one is prioritize by understanding the quality of a lead. Um, you know, time is money, um, but investing 
time on those leads with the most potential first. Um, you know, we find referrals and word of mouth are best. Um, and after that, some outbound programs, website and marketing programs following. So, you know, making sure you, as a, as a business owner, um, have the intelligence to prioritize your day, right? And think of yourself as a triage nurse at an ER clinic. You're not going to treat the hangnail before, you know, the broken arm. Um, the same is true in, in sales and in building a sustainable way to grow your business is prioritizing your day based on the, the intelligence you know and have in hand about that lead um, or can go out and get about that lead will help you uh, ultimately close more deals and, and um, increase your growth rates. And last is um, establishing fans. Um, getting a meeting or closing a new deal is only the first leg. And this, again, is related to the preparation, practice, and planning element. Um, but customer relationships have long-term best benefits. Uh, they refer you. They introduce you. Uh, they bring you with them if they change jobs. Uh, there's a lot of ancillary benefits. So we really focus on establishing fans for life, and that would be sort of the, the seventh uh, rule to um, best practice making your business stronger. And I can only say uh, I've learned a lot, and uh, you can go on our website and see JP's story uh, and where he repeats all this if you didn't uh, write it down as much as quickly as I uh, I know I, I I didn't catch them all as I was writing. JP, well the beauty uh, you, is you're... the beauty is they can always get me at Twitter at, at JP Werlin. So at JP W E R L I N. Happy to continue the conversation on Twitter. Well, JP, I'd like you to stay on if you have a few minutes. Uh, sure. We have a very interesting new uh, guest to follow you. Uh, she's Jen Jennifer Friedman of the CT Corp, and she. She, uh, Jennifer, are you on? I'm here. How are you? Uh, I'm great. You, uh, Thank you so you're much for you're me. head of CT uh, Corporation, and and you want to talk about uh, how do uh, women can be taken more seriously in business, and uh, it's a topic. Uh, I'm married to a Harvard MBA, so uh, uh, and believe me, people uh, take her seriously. But uh, the, uh, there are a lot of other things. But JP has been so articulate. I'd like him to stay on, and if he wants to make a comment or two, uh, we surely welcome it. Is that okay? Absolutely. Sounds good. Okay, Jennifer. Um, we always ask our guests first to say a little bit about themselves personally before we talk about anything else. Sure. Uh, well, I had worked for many years at American Express as a marketing executive, and at some point I started thinking, am I really a good marketer or do I just work for a good brand? So uh, I decided to leave and uh, work in a startup environment, and I had the uh, pleasure of working for two startups that were very different and met uh, two very different states. And uh, uh, after that, I uh, did a couple of other things and was looking to join another startup when uh, a colleague had put me in touch with the folks at CT who said, well, why would you want to go and help one startup when you can come and work here and help thousands of them? So what is CT Corporation? I'm, 
Yes. What does so CT, CT Corporation do? Well, CT Corporation uh, provides uh, formation, incorporation, and other compliance services. Uh, they've been in business for over 120 years and have uh, a very big uh, customer base and have helped over 1.6 million businesses stay compliant and in good standing uh, legally. And uh, I work in the small business area where we focus very specifically on helping small businesses, uh, especially uh, at the beginning of their life cycle with incorporation and formation uh, services, and then uh, help set them up for success during the life of their company. Well, I'm a customer, so I knew who you were, but I didn't know if our audience did. I did it. I enjoyed it. Thank you, Jennifer. <laughs> now let's get so, to the topic that you – go ahead. Floor well, is yours. I you won't know, interrupt you. Uh, no, no, it's quite all right. I, you know, I, I, I think that uh, as in uh, many aspects of society, uh, sometimes it's, it's easy to uh, overlook a very uh, – uh, powerful force, and it's also uh, easy to brush under the rug uh, some uh, big challenges or or kick the can and wait for another day. Um, I think that women-owned businesses are uh, definitely a a growing force that we see. Um, They're growing at uh, an unprecedented rate, certainly uh, in the economy. there was some census data from earlier this year that says that uh, women-owned businesses grew by 27% uh, from 2007 to 2012. And uh, so the latest stats from, from 2012 had uh, businesses reaching women-owned businesses at $9.9 million. So uh, that growth rate is almost four times that of the uh, rate of growth for uh, businesses owned by men. But um, uh, I've seen studies that show that women have a harder time finding, getting financing, being taken seriously with a uh, in certain non-traditional ones. If they go into fashion or food, uh, that's okay. But if they do anything else, uh, it sometimes becomes difficult. Is that what you want to talk about? Yeah, you know, I think that um, one of the key things that uh, women face in business is that, uh, and, and I think that the uh, the funding goes hand in hand with the credibility piece because um, getting funding is so important for businesses in order to grow. I think that, um, you know, what, what's the difference between a hobby and a business? And in a business, you need to be able to make a living. And sometimes in order to uh, get that going, uh, you need to raise capital uh, or get uh, financing of some sort. Um, I also have some other data um, that shows that um, uh, because women uh, have had more trouble getting financing, they receive about, I guess, 80% less capital than men, and, and, and I don't know if it's as a result, but they do have uh, uh, fewer female-owned businesses. 
have employees than men. So just in terms of getting leverage, getting scale, being able to grow uh, and have a sales force, uh, those are the kinds of, of things that out of the gate women need to focus on so that they uh, can help their businesses realize their full potential. What are the those things that they should concentrate on? Uh, well, I think that um, some of the key things that women need to focus on to be taken seriously are, uh, first and foremost, I would recommend incorporating. Uh, this is what will help them to uh, increase their stature and be uh, treated as a business, and um, that can help them in a lot of different ways. Uh raising capital in, in a traditional way that, that we think about from uh, from like a venture or a financing perspective, but even getting loans, getting grants, there's a lot of uh, opportunities to get financing, uh, but those really are more for established companies and uh, incorporating or forming your business uh, is a great way of creating that. Um, additionally, crowdfunding is now becoming something that is uh, more and more of a reality. And my hope is that this will help uh, women-owned businesses and, and really all good business ideas because uh, funding may be concentrated in certain places, uh, but good ideas are not. And now with uh, some of these crowdfunding sources, I'd like to see uh, – the dollars and the ideas be able to match up with each other more easily. Keep going. You're on a roll. <laughs> uh, so uh, I think that, uh, you know, some of the key things that uh, uh, I wanted to touch on uh, are that uh, there's this phrase, a mompreneur, and uh, a lot of uh, people, when they think of women-owned businesses, they think about uh, Etsy uh, people who are uh, crafting and, and uh, uh, sort of uh, hobbyists that are uh, eventually going to take that, that leap or maybe not. And I think that for um, a lot of women, there are opportunities for them to um, use the Internet not just for funding, but to be able to get broad distribution um, of uh, whatever they're selling, whether it's, you know, services, ideas, uh, uh, and that part of the economy, uh, as well as, as uh, uh, products and goods. So I think that for, for women, one of the most important things for them to do is to be able to uh, get educated, understand what type of business they should start, where they want to headquarter their business, how they want to set up their business, uh, and how they want to um, uh, position themselves in the marketplace. Uh, one of the key things that uh, I've been focusing on is really helping to educate small businesses on the importance of working with trusted advisors. Um, we work with uh, a network of uh, attorneys, accountants, and other trusted advisors that 
can help small businesses. And CT uh, Corporation is a trusted advisor that works with business owners to help them make sure that they stay in good legal standing. And I think that uh, one thing that uh, women can do a better job at is uh, reaching out to these advisors so that they can take advantage of all the learnings that have gone before them and uh, a lot of people I think are uh, still trying to figure out how to how to tap into that and so I've been uh, very interested in spreading that word and that was some of the uh, reason why I was very interested in having this opportunity today. Well, um, what are some of the things you suggest to, to women on how to reach out to the advisor, which is very good advice, by the way. Uh, we, uh, When I started out, I, had, I, I was fortunate to have some uh, pretty smart people. So um, uh, what are some of the ways you would do it? Um, well, I think that um, certainly uh, one of the things that, uh, we would recommend is that uh, obviously working with someone like a CT corporation, I also uh, run a sister corporation, Biz Filings, where uh, there's uh, information available. We also have uh, a network that we work with, and uh, there's a lot of other uh, small business networks that can recommend trusted advisors. and. Uh, for example, uh, I also, uh, CT has uh, something called the CT uh, Small Business Owners Toolkit, which is a LinkedIn group that has over 45,000 members. So I think that there's places for people to reach out, and uh, very similar to what your last guest was saying about um, uh, sometimes the best leads can come from referrals. I think that uh, sometimes the best partners and advisors can come from referrals and recommendations as well. Should you pay for these advisors or um, or uh, are there people out there that do this because uh, uh, they want to help other people? I think there's different types of advisors. Um, you know, I think for me the, the rule of thumb uh, both as a business person and as a consumer, is uh, I pay for what I need to pay for. Uh, I think that there is some content that's free and I, that's publicly available. And uh, there's those things, I think, uh, are able to, to be received without a fee. I think when you have a very specific question about a specific situation, it's, it is reasonable to uh, pay a trusted advisor and make sure that you do things the right way the first time. Um, many of these things, um, when we talk about this idea, I really like um, that idea about working in your business versus working on your business. Um, structuring your business uh, a certain way uh, is working on your business. You're setting yourself up so that you can hire uh, an employee so that you can uh, do business in a different state. All of these, uh, you know, filings and things that uh, we work on at CT, um, you know, 
it's not just the filing, it's what's behind it. It's that ability to be able to uh, get new customers, win new contracts, and uh, hire people. And I think that um, for us, uh, we really want to make sure that we're helping our customers in the best way that we can. Um, Well, uh, let me jump jump in here. JP, do you have anything uh, you want to comment on some of the things that Jennifer said? Yeah, I think Jennifer's message is right on. I think, um, especially in the tech sector, where I have been hanging out the last 15 years, is very underrepresented by women. And um, it's not something I publish too widely um, because I don't – I do it for – my own reasons, not for publicity, but um, I've, knowing I have a vehicle called Pipeline Deals with which to make a change, uh, happy to report that we are 40% uh, uh, female employees, which for a tech company is really, uh, from what I've seen, um, a positive number, and my goal is to get that to 50% uh, by the end of the year. We'll be 46 percent uh, female by January, and so or by November already. So I think women in business are great. Women as entrepreneurs are even better. I think a huge advocate, a good friend of mine, uh, Jessica Ma, the CEO of Indonero, who is also on the most recent cover of Inc. magazine. Um, she's that lovely young lady um, kind of representing um, and her business in Dinero has grown incredibly. Uh, I happen to be in a, a small group forum with her uh, CEOs and really enjoy her view on women in business. And she's been a great spokesperson for like Jennifer for leading this charge. And I think um, the time is here. I would advocate there are a lot of free opportunities for entrepreneurs in your community through organizations like Entrepreneurs Organization. They have an accelerator program if you don't meet the million-dollar requirement of top line, which a lot of entrepreneurs don't starting out. And there's there's women entrepreneurs there, and there's male entrepreneurs who will help you. Like They just love entrepreneurship. They don't care about gender. And so I would really encourage uh, women entrepreneurs to reach out into their communities. There's never been more, you know, startup incubators or labs or, you know, startup weekend or tech stars. There's never been more opportunities to start a business and get to these mentors, male and female, for, for women entrepreneurs and would um, highly, highly recommend that. Well, yeah, I, Jennifer. I have to uh, – sorry, yes. No, go ahead. You're, you're the guest. I, I was, I was going to say I, I really wanted to second that because uh, the bottom line is that women do need to take action. Uh, CT Corporation is a trusted partner to help women uh, start and grow their business, but there's lots of other partners, and I think that uh, whether they're women or not, uh, people like to see entrepreneurs succeed. They like to see female entrepreneurs succeed, and I think that um, there are opportunities that women can take advantage of and uh, know that they can be set, have opportunities uh, to do different things, whether that's being able to be a, a, a marquee a female entrepreneur that's featured and, and gets good PR and is able to uh, get on the cover of Inc. Magazine, 
being able to get government loans, being able to get grants, um, uh, or whether it's, it's just, hey, I'm setting up my business because I want to be able to get uh, whatever, tech crowdsourcing, and I'm going to set my business up as an S-corporation because that's the best way I can do that. Um, and if uh, female entrepreneurs uh, reach out into the community and get that type of information, um, whether it's general information for all entrepreneurs or uh, a little twist that can help them, I think that that is a very big step in the right direction. Well, uh, I, I've dealt with a lot of women uh, entrepreneurs. Uh, we've been in business 15 years now. And what I've always amazed about is how they're able to uh, multitask much better than uh, the, the men uh, than men on average. There's always uh, uh, both ways, but uh, to me, the, the special talent women have is the ability to multitask. Uh, it's amazing how many uh, start a successful business and have children at the same time. Uh, truly amazing. Please, you want to say anything, JP? I'm not getting near that one. I I uh I'm just stoked to be able to have find awesome women in the community to to hire and and promote through entrepreneurship. I think it's it's um long overdue and I think uh especially in the tech sector and I know Jennifer operates in a little bit different world uh as well, but um huge huge proponent of this. So it's fun to listen to you Jennifer. It definitely struck a chord with me. So Jennifer, any, any others? Say it. Go ahead. I'm uh, sorry. I, well, you know, the one other thing I will say, and, and I, I agree that the, that this is really not a gender thing, but uh, there are a lot of both proprietors out there, and and honestly, it's not because I work in CT Corporation. One of the great gifts that I think was given to me, having worked here, is that now I know that. Um, if you have a family, uh, incorporating your business is a great way to protect your family and to separate your finances, your personal finances, from your professional ones. And I think that um, uh, whether people multitask or not, I think, uh, is one issue, but there are certain things that I think that uh, setting yourself up for success uh, there are certain things that I think should be compartmentalized, and I think uh, certain risks and liabilities uh, with business uh, should be kept separate from the family, um, and I think that that's something that both male and female entrepreneurs um, can take advantage of. Let me, let me ask JP a question. Uh, do you hope your children go into your business? Um, go into my business. No, I just hope they go into business, right? I think more globally, I'm super passionate about entrepreneurship, and I think it can fix a lot of ills. Um, it's not a cure-all, but I think it's a definite um, positive movement uh, in society, both in America and around the world. Um, and so, no, I don't, I don't, if they, my vision is that they become entrepreneurs in in their own way, um, and however they they do that, whether it's creatively and artistically, or 
you know, through a pe- pragmatic, hard-nosed business idea um, or through social entrepreneurship. So I'm, I'm trying to build creators, innovators, and idea people and my two boys and um, have them focus that way. We'll see, you know, parents' expectations and where, where kids wind up are often two vastly different ends of the spectrum, but I'm looking forward to just building creative problem solvers who, who move the world forward. Jennifer, you've been successful both as a small business person and in a large corporation. What do you think are uh, the characteristics that made you successful and that can help uh, women be successful? Well, for me, I think that uh, there's just no substitute for hard work, and I think that a lot of the... uh, Entrepreneurs that I work with at CP Corporation have uh, been successful through hard work. Uh, and the other characteristic, I think, is tenacity. Um, when you were talking before uh, uh, about pet companies, um, I had mentioned uh, CP Corporation has been in business for 120 years. But... Uh, it is a tech company, and a lot of the, the work that I've been doing is to build our presence online and to build our e-commerce engine and to build our uh, um, content online and make that available for everybody. And I think that having that, that vision and that tenacity every day that you go to work uh, is a characteristic that I think um, is helpful to anyone who wants to achieve something new. We're reaching towards the end of the hour, uh, Jennifer. Any last uh, advice you would give uh, entrepreneurs in general and women in uh, in particular that you'd like to impart? Uh, yeah, you know, one thing that that I did want want to mention is uh, um, there's a, a trend. Uh, and people have been talking about it a lot with, with freelancers. And um, CT Corporation recently did a deal with uh, uh, an interesting tech company called Tongle that does uh, sort of like crowdsourced uh, creative services. And uh, I know that there are uh, many women who are uh, in that creative space. And I think that. Um, one of the things that CT Corporation has been doing has been trying to be part of, of that small business community and link uh, and form relationships with other companies that we think have networks of small businesses. And I think that I would encourage uh, um, others to do that as well, sort of forming, being part of these networks so that we can learn about each other I think will help us think about new and exciting things and, and different ways of growing our businesses and different, you know, understanding different needs in the marketplace. Hmm. That's, that's good. That's a, a great addition. You know, my engineer slipped me a note. What's your title at CT Corporation? Um, I am the chief marketing officer of the small business segment. Well, uh, JP, any last thoughts you want to say uh, about your company and uh, advice you'd pass on? 
I would, sure, I'd love to have you check out Pipeline Deals, but I think more globally, when I think about entrepreneurship and women in entrepreneurship, my advice is simple, and that is go for it. The road to entrepreneurship is paved with no's and can'ts, and I think that might even be a greater level of no's and can'ts, or it won't work um, sort of feedback to the entrepreneurs, and more so for women, I'd guess. So um, I would just encourage you to stay true to yourself and believe you can do it. And, you know, it's it's a ton of hard work. It's a ton of sacrifice. But I would strongly encourage the women out there thinking about doing it or who are kind of on the fence that Jennifer talked about between sort of a hobby business and a real business is, is put the pedal down and go for it. Great advice. And And your website again? Pipeline Deals, PipelineDeals.com. It's a growth engine for small to medium-sized businesses. We help you grow your business. Will you spell it out for our radio audience? Sure. Sorry, I talk too fast sometimes. PipelineDeals.com, P-I-P-E-L-I-N-E-D-E-A-L-S.com. Yeah. No, go ahead. No, I said, you know, we're – we, we man the phones, so we or women the phones. We have women uh, and men answer the eight six six seven zero two seven three zero three to answer any questions. If you need to get a hold of me, um, we'd love to help. So we believe in in software uh, that is backed by humans. It's not a, a amorphous blob like uh, some of the other companies out there in the world. And so we answer the phone with a human, and uh, you'll get Christy or Hillary or Paige or Nick answering the phone, and uh, we're happy to help you as you think about growing your business. Uh, Jennifer Friedman of CT Corporation, uh, tell us about your site and how people can can reach your company and, and, and or you. Uh, yes, um, you can go to ctcorporation.com. We are the trusted partner uh, for small businesses to uh, help them incorporate and stay in compliance. Uh, our sister site is uh, bizfilings.com, and uh, where we also focus on uh, incorporations and compliance for small businesses. And uh, folks can reach me uh, via those websites and uh, through uh, um, CT on Twitter. Uh, thank you both for what I uh, what for, to me was a very informative informative uh, time together. Uh, I stepped on a couple of people's uh, answers, and I apologize for that. Uh, it, I just got so engrossed in what you both of you were saying. Thank you for being with us tonight. Thank you so much. Thank you, Don. No. Appreciate it. Nice to meet you, Jennifer. Nice to meet you too, JP. Thank you for listening tonight. All of our guests are invited because they offer actionable advice to our audience. They do not pay to join us, but rather demonstrate their capacity for helping our audience add profits. Thank you for listening, and we'll be here again next week with other experts to talk about ways to improve your profit picture. Remember, we're here every week at blogtalkradio.com slash smallbusinessdigest. If you like what you heard today, tell others about our efforts. If you would like to be a guest or suggest topics, 
for future hours, email me at info at smallbusinessdigest.net. That's info at smallbusinessdigest.net. We would also like to remind listeners that besides our radio efforts, Small Business Digest comes to you via the web, through our video channel, and in our magazine. You can subscribe for any or all of these by going to smallbusinessdigest.net. That's smallbusinessdigest.net. Thank you, and have a good day.